Welcome to the Abundant Edge Podcast. Here we dive deep into the diverse worlds of regenerative living, permaculture, and natural building as we aspire to help you reach your highest potential for yourself, for your community, and for this beautiful planet that we share. As always, I'm your host, Oliver Gaucher, and I'm thrilled to guide you through this week's episode. So let's jump right in. Essentials, written by the world's leading sustainable builders, designers, and engineers, New Society Publishers' Sustainable Building Essentials series covers the full range of natural and green building techniques with a focus on sustainable materials and methods and code compliance. From rainwater harvesting to composting toilets to straw bale, rammed earth, hempcrete, and more, these unique books present the essential information on each topic. Find out more about the Sustainable Building Essentials series at NewSociety.com. Welcome, everyone. Now, I've talked about many different building materials through this series, but one of my all-time favorites often gets overlooked because it isn't commonly used as a structural element. Lime, in all of its various forms as a plaster, paint, mortar, grout, poured floor, or even newer applications like hempcrete, has so many advantages and applications in just about any style of natural or conventional building. That's why I reached out to the mud witch, Atulia Bingham, because she's just released a new online course covering everything you need to know about this incredible natural material. In this interview, we cover the lime cycle and the various products that can be made or bought from the original limestone. We talk about different additives to make all kinds of plasters, paints, mortars, and more, and Atulia shares a lot of experiences of her own in working with Lime as she builds her new off-grid homestead in northern Spain, and why it's an ideal material for damp and humid places like where she lives. We also compare and contrast Lime to other alternative materials as well as its limitations and compromises too. This is one of the materials that I've seen people struggle with the most and that I've noticed that many people avoid because it can seem that it's either more dangerous or more complicated than it actually is. There are very few resources out there that actually simplify the use of lime to the layperson or amateur builder, which is why I was so glad to cover this in a way that hopefully demystifies the practical use of lime for so many great applications. So before I give it all away, here's Atulia. Hey Atulia, thank you so much for making time again. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you, especially here on the podcast. I'm really excited to talk about your new course today, but tell us how you're doing. You're in transition building an off-grid home in the north of Spain. Yes, yes, it's fantastic. Um, yep, I'm, I'm in the north of Spain, that's right. Same country as you for a change. <laughs> yep, we're actually in the and... same time zone, which made this nice. <laughs> same time zone, it did, didn't it? It made it really easy. <laughs> and um, yep, and I'm, I'm well into my project now. I mean, I say well into, some people would say it's the beginning, but I have water. I kind of, I have, my power situation is quite basic, but I'm surviving. And I've renovated two of my little stone huts. So I'm about to move into to them tomorrow. <laughs> very, very exciting. exciting. Yeah, I can't wait <clears throat> to see the video you put out on that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, so look, I'm, uh, I'm reaching out to you today because you've just come out with a new course on working with lime. And obviously, we're not talking about the little green fruits that people like to use as seasoning, but nope. lime as limestone. And one of the, the more essential and often overlooked uh, materials for a natural building because you know especially 
I was confused by this focus because we all know you as the mud witch. What, uh, what changed? What's, <laughs> what's this new focus on a new material all about? Uh, good, good point. No, um, I, I still am a mud witch and I love mud. Um, and I've been using the two together, actually. I've been kind of using their strengths, both of their strengths, because they both have different strengths. And there's certain times you want to be using lime, I think, and certain times you want to be using mud. And the, the beauty here, well, the beauty why I've started to get into lime is obviously I'm now in a damp climate and a cool damp climate and lime is really very very good at sucking the damp out of your building and also it's a fungicide so you don't get your mold issues and that's actually become very apparent to me because i've plastered in my bedroom i plastered half of it with mud and covered it with clay paint and half of it with lime in the damp areas um, and the, the lime areas, of course, are completely pristine, but the mud plaster has got a bit of mold on it, so it just goes to show I was right. <laughs> Interesting, and you said you've been using them in combination, so how have you decided where to use clay, where to use lime, and you know, sort of maximize the benefits of each in, in their respective place? Right, well, lime is obviously a bit more cementitious than, um, than clay, and so I've used lime for my mortaring, for example. And I noticed also when I was going around, because the, the buildings are over 100 years old, I've, I've realized from, from my, my farmer neighbors who've been telling me they are over 100 years old. And so the original mortar in there, originally I thought it was a clay mortar, but it wasn't. It was a lime mixed with clay mortar. And so they've been using lime here a long time and there's a very good reason for it because as I said, it works very, very well with the damp and, um, and it holds its structure um, for longer. It's more enduring, I'd say, than um, especially under the weather. If you're getting rain uh, hitting onto a lime mortar, it's gonna hold a lot better than a mud mortar, for example. So, um, so I used it for mortaring extensively and that's that was quite that was quite a learning curve actually um to get it to look how i wanted because i'm picky but um i got there in the end yes and i'm very very pleased with the result and you can also get different colors of mortar depending on which sand you use in with the lime which um which was something i didn't kind of think about but so you can kind of adjust and get your different tones in i've used it um as a render and I've used it as a render for different reasons. One reason, the first reason was on one wall, it was um, obviously they'd put the stove against that wall and it was covered in soot. And so when I was adding a clay plaster onto it, the clay plaster was absorbing this soot and turning sort of blacky, dirty, disgusting color. Um, however, lime really bleaches stuff. So I had to go with the lime and after a couple of coats, then, um, it, yeah, it took care of that. And so that, that soot wasn't getting through at all anymore. I also used it in my bedroom. I used it in particular corners where I knew could, because the cabana itself is built into the rock. Um, it's actually built on the rock of the land. So you're always going to get a damp issue with that. And I should, point out this is temporary accommodation um, <laughs> for a year or two until I get my big hut sorted out. So um, so I know that there's going to be damp in that corner. And so if you've got damp pushing behind a clay plaster, that's not particularly good news. The clay starts expanding and contracting as it, as it get, um, 
as it absorbs the water and then it shrinks again back when it dries. And it can cause the plaster to be unstable or sort of even push away at some points. So I didn't really want that. And I didn't want the plaster obviously to be wet the whole time. So I've coated those areas in lime and it's, I was right, it worked well. It worked um, exactly as I wanted it to. So that's the beginning. Oh, and Crete's as well. Oh gosh, yes, sorry. <laughs> There's lots. Yeah, um, I've used, see the difference between, you can't really make a Crete out of clay. Um, so if you want to do flooring, you can obviously make an earth floor, but if you want something that's hard wearing and I wanted something where I was going to be traipsing in and out with boots, then um, Limecrete is a better option. And so I've used it in, uh, as a grout in, on the floor um, between the flagstones and that's also holding up very, very well. And I used it also for tiling my roof to um, hold, it's, I don't, can't believe anybody else in any other country is going to be doing this, but um, to hold, they have what's called Tejas Kuravas here and they're a nightmare, <laughs> but they are beautiful and they are the traditional tile. And originally they were just held on by stones, but um, mostly they mortar them or glue them on uh, today. And I wanted to use a limecrete to mortar them on. And that did work. Although it was quite hard work. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing the post from that process. I didn't envy you, but I'm glad I learned what, what you had to share. <laughs> glad you learned from my mistakes. <laughs> no, there's, a, I mean, there's a very good chance that I'm going to end up doing the same thing within a couple of years when I find my property here too. It is, it is the most common way of doing roofing. So you mentioned a ton of different ways that we can use lime. People who are less familiar with natural building are going to ask one question off the bat why would you use lime instead of Portland cement? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the perfect question. The question I love to answer. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, why would you use... Yeah. <laughs> but I'll why would you, you use it. lime instead of... <laughs> um, well, there's so many reasons. There's so, so many reasons. Uh, let's start with the environmental Portland cement. Is the second biggest um, contributor to the greenhouse effect right now, uh, only, follow, only beaten by fossil fuels. So the less Portland cement we can be using, obviously the better. But people always ask me, isn't lime just as bad? No, it's not. Um, it takes about 25% of the carbon to produce lime than Portland cement. And lime over its lifespan reabsorbs that carbon back into itself. It takes a long time to do that, we should be honest, but it's slowly, slowly reabsorbing the carbon <clears throat> as, it, uh, as it cures, and it cures and, in, and becomes harder and harder indefinitely, which is why, because people will often say this, but the Romans used cement. No, they used limecrete. <laughs> um, it was cement made with lime. It was not Portland cement, which we're using today. Portland cement has a lifespan of about 50 to 70 years. So unless it's very well reinforced with rebar um, or steel or something, it's not going to hold for uh, much past 75 years. And you can see that in old buildings where um, it starts crumbling away. But um, lime doesn't do that at all. Lime continually becomes more and more enduring as it, as it cures over time. So it gets harder and harder and harder. And that's why we still see those Roman viaducts and aqueducts and Roman buildings all together that were mortared mostly with um, limecrete. And um, yeah, so that's 
one difference between Portland cement and lime. Another difference is the situation with damp. Um, as I mentioned before, lime is brilliant in the wet. It, it has a drying effect um, it continue, because it's reabsorbing <coughs> moisture from the air. It absorbs it. Sorry, not reabsorbing. It's absorbing moisture from the air all the time to cure. It loves the wet, actually, and it, wants to, it just loves to eat water. Whereas Portland cement... Portland cement will actually hold on to the water and create a very damp feeling in the house. It actually wicks up water. And, and because it's not breathable, like lime is breathable, and so Portland cement will just create this airtight, wet box. And that's why Portland cement always feels cold when you touch it. because It's actually slightly damp. And it's always too hot in the summer in, the, in hot climates. It's actually a very... Well, it's a poor building material, and I'm sorry the people it's so widespread because um, either mud or lime are far superior in different uh, jobs, of course, but both of those two materials are far superior to Portland cement, unless, of course, you're building um, a massive flyover or a multi-story car park. But I um, mean, for your normal, for a house, I wouldn't use it in my house, Portland cement, personally, for that reason. Another reason is the mold factor. Um, you don't get mold with lime, as I've just pointed out. And um, there's a one part of my in my kitchen. It's very interesting because I've, I've used lime paint as well on the stone walls. And there's one part where I painted with a chalk paint instead of a um, instead of lime it, because it was wood. I was painting something with wood, and that particular part got covered in mold. Very interesting, and nowhere else is nothing that was covered in the lime has any mold on it. It's a fungicide. Um, mold cannot survive on lime. Um, have I forgotten anything, Oliver? <laughs> Probably not at this point. This is why I love doing interviews with you is I don't have to ask that many questions. <laughs> Can I just wrap it away? <laughs> no, no, no. But like, so let, let's go back to like the options that people have access to because before I moved to, um, to, to Europe, I was in Guatemala and it was pretty easy to get hydrated lime, quick lime, um, and other products in the United States, it's harder to find. I mostly know of people getting type S lime or uh, ordering it specially from France, which I mean, ah. that kind of <laughs> defeats the purpose. I'm surprised. I thought degree. you'd have lime there. I mean, we do, just not the amount of options for it, not the easy accessibility. It's kind of ordered as like an industrial material. Like you can't just go to a hardware store or uh, oh, wow. sand and gravel place and pick it up. Um, but here in Europe, there's, it's quite common, and there are a couple of major types that you can go to the store and buy. Do you think you could give us a little bit of a rundown of the more common options that people will find? Yeah, um, <clears throat> the, the, I think this is one of the trickiest parts. This is one of the things that puts people off about Lyme, and it's one of the trickiest parts about Lyme, is um, knowing which kind you want to buy. And you can... There's all sorts. And when I was in Turkey, it was, it was even more confusing because obviously the names start changing. Sure. And um, there was plenty in Turkey too. And it's, it's tragedy that not more is being used in Turkey because it's a big lime producer. But um, yeah, yeah, you can find it. The most common lime and the original lime is quick lime. Um, and that's, you can find that most places. That is the, the usually the easiest lime to find. And that's the one I now prefer because it's also the cheapest. Um, and to create, to use that lime, you need to slake it. So when you slake it, 
you get something called lime putty, and that's well, what you on. want. So wait, let's yeah. let's just start from the beginning here because we're probably in naming all of these going to have to more or less cover the lime cycle anyway. So yep. let's start with the fact that lime comes from limestone, which has to be quarried. And limestone is a buildup of calcium and like seashells from uh, yep. prehistoric times, which has turned into stone. So that's where we're starting off from. And then perfect. From, and, then, and there okay, we go into quicklime. Okay. And then you very Okay, good. And then you heat that. So you heat that limestone or it could be seashells as well. Um, exactly right. You heat that limestone to 900 to 1000 degrees centigrade. And when you do that, um, you get quicklime. You get, it turns it into quicklime. And then what happens is if you re-add water to that, that burnt limestone, that quicklime, then you get a, a workable material that you can use, which we call slaked lime, which is uh, calcium hydroxide, which is also lime putty. Those things are all the same. Mm. And, but it's um, somewhat of a violent yeah. process, the slaking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that also puts people off. Um, it, it, it's kind of, yeah, sort of when you add the lime to the water, you'll get a lot of bubbling. And um, you need to protect yourself. You do. It, lime isn't toxic. It's caustic, though, so it can burn. I've been burned um, a few times from it. Yep. So you do need to be careful. Um, and a, a little bit of a health thing here that if you do get burned, then use something acidic on it like vinegar or, or citric acid or lemon juice, for example. Right. Because um, lime is Caustic. an alkali, so it will, yeah. Um, yeah, so it will neutralize that for you but um yeah so when you add the the lime to water you'll get a bubbling reaction it heats up a lot as well it really does heat and it will really it really wants to absorb all this water it loves water so um and you might have to keep topping it up and topping it up and topping it up and um and then you leave it and really um optimum would be to leave it for a couple of weeks you can get away with less and if the longer you leave it, the better it is, the better quality product you have. And so then, yeah, then you have lime putty, as I was saying. And you can also buy lime putty, which is what a lot of people in the UK do, where they have it quite readily available. You can buy lime putty already slaked for you, so you don't have to go through that process. And um, you buy it in tubs. It looks like yogurt or cheese, soft cheese or quark or something. It looks like that. And, um, and if you've, uh, mostly if you, when you're buying it in tubs, you may well be getting it like three or four months old slaked lime. So it's, it's a really good quality product, but it is more expensive that way. That is a pricier option. Um, so it's definitely cheaper to do it yourself if you, if that's an issue for you. Sure. I would imagine and, a lot of what you're paying for too is <gasps> like the transport cost because it's so much heavier with all of that water absorbed and it's of course yeah you've got to make sure that it, it when you're checking lime putty at least as, as i've been taught with previous teachers if you open it and there's not a good uh few centimeters of water a couple inches of water over the lime it's probably not in good shape because it's already started to calcify a little bit or crystallize so there should be a little bit of water on top of that pail yeah, that's a very good point. In, in Turkey, it used to come in bags, actually, like mozzarella cheese. And mm. um, it was always filled like half with water and half with lime. Right, the whole right. bag was very watery. It was, it, that was um, how it came. But yeah, certainly if it's, if it's not, as soon as it's drying out, then it's starting to cure. So uh, you, you've got an issue. It's quite right. 
you can also buy um, uh, you can also buy something called hydrated lime, which is that lime putty has gone through some kind of process, a chemical process, to turn it into a powder. That's also an option. You can use that. That's another thing that people can find on the market if they yeah, want to. This is what I used to use a lot in Guatemala. Um, they oh, came from a had. company called Orcalsa and it come in these big bags, much like cement bags, but fortunately quite a bit lighter. <laughs> um, but you've <laughs> got to be careful because when it's in this powdered form, it can really irritate your sinuses, your nose, your throat if you breathe it in. And as you're mixing it, it, it tends to... Um, kind of go up in powder very easily. So you got to be careful. And if it stays on your skin for a while, obviously you've always got a little bit of oil or moisture on your skin and left like that, it'll start to kind of eat away at your skin. I've lost a couple of layers of skin in the past over time um, with that happening. But like you mentioned before, if, if uh, by the end of the day or after a couple of hours of working, if you rinse it off in vinegar or lemon juice or something else acidic, um, it, it tends to neutralize it and you're fine. That's that's my personal experience with uh, hydrated lime bags. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's all all lime when you're working with it has that caustic effect, and it, but mm -hmm. it's yeah, it's a sort of a balance between uh, getting people getting people um, to take care of themselves, but at the same time, it's not it's not yeah, it's not um, it's not nuclear waste, you know. No, 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 not <laughs> at not, all. It's not wear so, long um, sleeves. <laughs> like you'll yeah, be wear fine. long sleeves exactly, and Don't and you may it. when you're slaking it or mixing it, if you're like using the powder, mixing it with water, you may want to use a, a mask because yeah. if it's yeah. if it's in your lungs for a long periods of time, then it's it's obviously going to cause damage. Or just but, do I mean, it outside in a really well ventilated yeah. area. It's not yeah. the end of the world. It's not that bad. No, I agree with you. <laughs> But I also feel bad if we don't give a few disclaimers because, <laughs> as I did mention, I've lost a few layers of skin doing this. It, yeah, exactly. I mean, it I've won't got, kill I've you. A it's a little uncomfortable. My elbow from it, but I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I've also I'm gotten just as many wounds working with every other material, so it's like absolutely wood. I mean, splinters. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We could go on forever like that. It's quite true, but um, yeah. Use but neither of us are are. <laughs> <laughs> are big we're on safety so let's move forward no no we're not are we? <laughs> <laughs> all right so oh, we've dear. got it in a hydrated form it's either it comes in the powder and you mix it in with water or it's already pre-soaked in a putty form what are the stages for using it after that does it depend on what you're using it for uh yeah it does it's uh it does um if you're going to use it as a um mortar you're going to be mixing it with sand and if you're going to be using it as a lime crete then you're going to be mixing it with sand and a pozzolan something called a pozzolan and a pozzolan is a burnt material and so any kind of um burnt burnt clay tiles burnt wood um so wood ash is fine or you can even find um the, the romans were using i think volcanic tufts and things like that so uh this burnt material goes into the mixture as well and you've got something called limecrete that becomes much harder and more cementitious so that's a different way of using it um you, when you're using it as a paint you're going to have it as a thinner thinner substance that you that you use you're going to water it down uh yeah is there anything else mm. I mean, there's a ton of other additives that we could talk about, I'm sure. We could. You did mention the, <laughs> the, you did mention the burnt material and like tiles and stuff. Uh, obviously, you mean 
like crushed or in powder form. Crushed, You're not yeah, gonna sorry, put yes, chunks so, of yeah, tile yeah, yeah. in there. But... It needs to be dust. No, no, you don't just, just stick a bit of tile in there. <laughs> I mean, it makes for a really difficult <laughs> application of plaster. <laughs> yeah, someone might try though. You never know. <laughs> I mean, I want to see the pictures. So maybe we should just stop putting in the disclaimers and see what kind of like angry mail and, and photographs we get. That in itself would be fun. Um, <laughs> So yeah, and then like when it comes to plasters, obviously you have to think about what coat you're putting on. So if you're doing a base coat and you're just trying to even out um, the wall and put something thick on there, not a, a finished coat, then then the size of your aggregate or your, your sand or your pozzolans or even to the point exactly. of putting in certain fibers. Um, but most of the fibers that I've heard about using in, in lime renders are things like horsehair. And yep. unless you have a lot of horses, <laughs> I don't know where you're getting a ton of horse hair. And from what I've seen of people putting it into the mixture, like you have to separate it all by hand. It seems like a big process. Um, I've never worked with horse hair. I don't think it's really necessary. I don't think, no, I don't think it's necessary at all. But I think I've heard of people adding straw, but that's more for texture, you know, to give it a a more textured look. And Um, I think that works maybe again as like those base coat layers where you're trying to fill in really undulated or uneven walls. Like say you're going straight onto a stone wall, for example. Like in your case. Mine was pretty, mine was pretty undulated, but I didn't use it. Oh, imagine. Yeah. Yeah, That's the only time I I could think of using it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think it's particular. I th- um, I mean, if you, I think it's if you want that more rustic look, sure. um, you could use it, or you get well. People do use it in Lime Creek flooring sometimes. The the fibers to mm. to knit it together a bit more and prevent the cracking. That is true. That makes sense. Um, so that that would be yeah more logical. Yep. Okay, so we've covered plasters. We've covered Lime Creek. Wait, so wait, what are your um? What is your mixture for limecrete? Because I've heard of different ones and I'm not sure of like what, what you're using primarily as pozzolan. I'm using wood ash. Okay. And I get so on very well with wood ash. Do you well mostly just ash? save yeah. it for yourself, like through your own wood fires, or do you have a source to get that? <laughs> Actually, I asked my neighbor who's got a wood fire because I, I didn't have my stove going yet. My, mm. um, in Turkey, I was using my own, but um, I know my neighbor's got um, a nice big stove. They're off, they're off. They're running everything off the stove. So yeah. I just said, "Could you, could you bring me a bag of wood, of wood ash?" And they did. But not. I would use my own. I mean, my sure. stove's now connected. So man, everybody <laughs> needs a wood ash neighbor. Wood ash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the benefit of living no, so, out in the countryside. Is like you don't have as many neighbors, but the ones that you do have, but they're all good. All yeah, good, are all good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's very true i mean i've, I've just uh my, my one of my other the farmers around here has just brought me a big bag of apples just by my door oh man that's worth that's worth like exactly. 10 city neighbors for sure it's, it's absolutely <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh, i know that uh in larger applications um especially even in commercial uses now they are starting to revalue lime render applications um, but they use different tools, such as like mortar guns. And I've never worked with those myself. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can hear um, you. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, there's two two different kinds of mortar gun. Obviously, there's the pro- the professional one, which comes with power, um, where it, where you've got a a generating machine just pumping the stuff out. Which is through what, a compressor? Because there's a lot. Of, yeah, you say, thank you. <laughs> me, me, me being very untech and doing everything by hand. I never know the names for these things. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, you 
I've seen them here quite a lot because there's obviously a lot of um, old stone buildings around here and people are getting professional renovators in to do it. So um, that's what they use and they kind of just squirt the mortar into the cracks. But I've been using, um, which is probably what people at home would often use, is the, the, um, the hand mortar gun. And it is a it is a pain in the neck. I'm not going to deny, yeah, because uh, <laughs> they they've got lots of little plastic brackets that could, could they're expensive for one thing to buy, and there's got all these plastic brackets that if they're not washed carefully, if they get too much grit underneath, then they're going to crack and things like that. So it's it's a bit of a faff, but um, but that is what you need to do if you're mortaring, not not rendering, but mortaring. Um, you and do so this really is applying mortar that. in between the stones after they've already Absolutely. been. Absolutely constructed because there's the yeah. mortaring as you go along in which case you're ah. putting down layers of mortar as you build that's right that's right now in turkey when i was making walls there that was how i was doing it so i was putting the the stones and then sticking the mortar in just as you're describing there but that was a that was a mud mortar but yeah. here what i notice is this because the stone um artisanship is so good what they do is they build everything dry stone and fill it in that's what they do here. I've noticed. Okay. <laughs> and um, it's uh, yeah. So so it's quite an art because um, obviously you need the stonework to be decent for that to, for it to hold its structure while the lime is curing. And that's something we haven't for mentioned. Sure. But lime lime does take a lot cu longer to cure than Portland cement does. So you've Which got to have this for time. Happy yep. amateurs like us is also an advantage yeah it's a benefit like, <laughs> it's a benefit because you can yeah correct your mistakes easily you can try and, um, again, yeah. and you can work it you can work it as well into nice shapes because of that you get time to kind of to kind of etch uh, your render and things like that you can do some interesting things with it because of that time um the the long time that it takes to cure but really it takes a, a good couple of weeks for it to sort of get quite firm and it's takes a good three months to be completely cured but i mean you've got your structure basically okay that i mean it's cementitious enough by two weeks for you to kind of do most of your stuff that you mm. need to do with it but um but it, that that's a lot longer than portland cement for example so you, you need the stone structure to be uh fairly stable if you're using lime otherwise Obviously, the lime itself is not going to be holding it until it's cured. And so that might take two weeks. Mm. Wait, so with That's this longer time. curing time, how important is it to keep the mixture at least somewhat humid so that it doesn't dry out too much? Ah, well said. Yes. <laughs> Very important. You need to definitely need to keep lime wet for the first four days. Okay. Um, when I say wet, damp. Uh, it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be too wet, but damp need to keep it damp um but if your climate does make a difference here if you're in a dry climate hot dry climate then um then you're going to have to wet it a lot more you're going to have to damp it a lot more spray it whatever but if you're in a cool temperate climate you might not have to do anything and um it you may find that it's taking a long time to cure if you are in a damp climate. You need to make sure also that the temperature is above seven degrees because it, lime doesn't really cure un, until it's over that temperature. You definitely can't do it when the weather's freezing. Mm. So um, that's things to, ta to take note of. 
Yeah, most things that are or have any moisture content, if they are supposed to cure or set in place, but they freeze, they're going to fail. I mean, it's the same with building yep. clay walls or, you know, once the, the moisture expands from the freezing process, it, it's more or less going to crumble um, once Absolutely. it's frozen like that. Yeah. Um, yep, so yep. Do you have any advice on like how to keep renders or plasters or mortars moist if you are in a hotter, drier place? Well, yeah, there's a couple of things you could do. You, you could spray them or hose them. You can also, people, I've heard people hanging up kind of cloths or hessian cloths over the front uh, or onto the, sort of just in front of the, um, the render. To, and that moisture then keeps, the, uh, keeps the, the render from drying out too much. But either mm -hmm, of those options mm -hmm. would work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are often the ones that I've heard of. Have you ever tried mixing up? percentage of salt into the mix because i know that holds on to moisture and i've heard that that was a common practice at some point but i've struggled to find people with active experience in using it well it's funny thing the whole salt thing um no i haven't tried that but <laughs> there's a lot of conflicting information about salt and lime yeah yeah um in yeah in turkey they used to add, definitely used to add salt into when they were making a lime paint to as a binder actually Hmm. But um, but I've heard other people say that that you mustn't add salt into lime. Uh, it causes it to I don't know um, has a negative effect on it. So there's conflicting information about that, and I haven't used it in as as for that reason at all. So I can't comment on that. I mean, I know salt has a terrible uh, effect on cement, and that's why a lot of places, especially around beaches in developing countries, where they tend to use beach sand in their cement mm. order or even just building bricks and such well first of all beach sand is terrible because it's all round and does not have the same structural integrity as like river sand but you know there's a whole other problem behind that um but having the salt consistency in the sand to begin with is also terrible for the crystallization process of cement so i would imagine it's probably Got something to do with that, since as you mentioned, like lime is a, the active ingredient in Portland cement. So yeah, that would probably yeah, yeah. have yeah, some maybe. sort of correlation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but as I said, they were using it in the <laughs> wash in Turkey, but um, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that I they have some reasons to do it too. The yeah. yeah. There may be in these things, the thing is with lime, we've got to remember, lime is limestone. As we went, if we go right back to the beginning, it's lime is limestone. It's been heated to a certain temperature and limestone is never, ever going to be the same in one place as it is in the other. It's always going to have some other ingredient mixed in with it. Um, yeah. it's, it's, gonna, it's composition is never going to be um, identi uh, identical. Because nothing on the planet is. This is the trouble where you get when you're, um, people are saying, well, how much this, how much that did you use? Well, you need to try it with your materials because yep. your sand, your lime, your clay, and your straw is always going to be different from somebody else's. So, um, and that's why you need to kind of understand uh, uh, much more about what things do, whether it's earth plaster, clay plaster, or lime, um, as opposed to just like, copying numbers or recipes from things um, it's much more important to sort of go beyond that and understand the basics the basic meaning of each component and what they do and so that you can work out what your measurements should be start experimenting and, and feeling and learning what does what and what if that's cracking what does that mean do you need more of this or more of that 
I'm so glad you mentioned that. I mean, that's one of the most common bits of advice from people that I've interviewed on natural building who have any real experience is like narrowing down things to specific techniques or precise advice and thinking that's going to apply to you and your situation wherever you might be is kind of naive and you're going to run into problems because like you said, even seemingly similar things, whether it be limestone or whether it be the same type of tree that you're using for timber or wood or, you know, presumably clay, they're all a little bit different everywhere you go and are going to perform, interact with other things differently. Um, it's worth doing certain amount of experimentation and trial before you commit to something all the way. And yeah, I mean, that's what everybody says, but I'm really glad you repeat it so that I don't always sound like the bad guy when people ask me questions and I'm like, hey, it depends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to yeah, do some work yeah, I yourself. agree. Yeah. Yeah, people, yeah, exactly. And it is I agree because you sort of end up with people like, oh, you why wouldn't you tell me her recipes if I'm giving you a secret? Right, right. <laughs> but um <laughs> but I mean it's it's this industrial mentality again, you see. It's because yeah. if you go to a paint shop or a, a normal DIY shop, of course, everything's manu been manufactured and artificial. So um so everything's the same. You put this much of that much in. But it's not like that when you're building in in the wild, um, with the natural materials. And from country to country, because I've, I've sort of doing this in different places now, and it's very, very interesting to see the differences. The lime, I'm using quick lime. I used it in Turkey, and I used it here. And there are even different colors, because mm. the stone somewhere is different. Yeah. And here it's a much more yellowy hue, and in Turkey it was a grayer hue. Uh, so yeah. it's interesting. <laughs> it's I've actually, interesting that's one of the first things places. I heard from a teacher that I worked with in Africa, um, giving advice on, you should check even your store-bought lime before you get it and wet it for a little bit in small portions first and see if there are some crystal formations on the top of the water. And that'll give you a good idea if it's, if it's going to perform at least how you would hope, because depending on which country or which, um, even which factory that it comes from, it could be done differently. And some of them cut corners and you know, the, the quality is not the same from every supplier. And so even just small tests like that with industrial products is, is often necessary too. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, don't know, I, I never, I never use Portland cement, so I have no idea if it's the same issue with that or not. Um, so Portland cement is pretty regulated just because it's so ubiquitous yeah. and there's, it's so tied with like building codes, especially in areas where there are um, seismic regulations where there's an issue with earthquakes and such, because obviously if they fail, there's big investigations and lawsuits and stuff. So yeah. it's pretty standardized Portland cement. As far as I know, I haven't seen any real variations in that. Um, but yeah, with, uh, with other products, it's, it's worth, it's worth checking into if there, if there's likely to be some variations in it. So with that said, uh, I know you mentioned a second ago that you have poured a limecrete floor before I've worked with earthen floors, Adobe floors, it goes by different names. Uh, and I've also seen one lime floor, but it wasn't weathering terribly well. It just had a simple roof over it. And it was mostly kind of an outdoor installation at a place in Guatemala. So I was wondering about your process and, and observations in working with lime flooring. Right. Well, I, I need to point out here that I only did a tiny piece that was um, solely lime flooring. And the other rest was lime grout. Gotcha between flagstones so that's slightly different however the lime creek flooring that i did i think um it, it there's a it, you need to go through layers and process with it 
Um, and I mean, I've got, I know people who have done very successful lime creep floors, for example, in the UK. And it's always, there's a, there's a set process to doing it that, that you need your, your um, insulation level. And it does matter really what that is. And, and the, the preferred um, material today is glaipe or, or is foamed glass uh, tamped down below because it doesn't absorb the moisture up. So um, that could be one of the factors. <laughs> or so you want that tamped down first, and then you want. Uh, I think you it works much better in my what from what I've done from it is if you're working with a you have a slab a limecrete slab and then you stick a screed over it. So you've got a a, a base slab which is quite thick and it may um, crack, have a bit of cracking in, but it's quite thick and solid. And then over the top of that, you're gonna put like a sort of uh, a five to seven centimeter screed over the top for beautification. But it's all about allowing it to cure slowly enough and, um, and, uh, and to let it cure. It, it does need really that three months for it to be with, with the flooring to be, to have cured fully. So if people start, using that floor too early it's not like portland cement it's going to get damaged wow yeah three months that's uh, that makes installing uh clay floors seem like a, a quick process <laughs> yeah yeah well you can you, you can totally walk on it before the three months but you need to be aware that it's sure. like still not cured at that point sure. so you can what people often do is they'll put um put boards over for example so you're not like you know sticking a uh your whole body weight on one particular area so you're spreading the weight load a little bit but right. um but really yeah it, it's it's taking that time to allow it to cure especially on it's again it's climatic because if you're in a wet climate that's you're going to need that full three months you might not in turkey it wasn't taking that long at all um it was pretty quick but um yeah i think that's that's an important consideration but i mean people people it's very very widespread in the uk it's quite commonplace in especially in old buildings to put a lime creek floor down that's cool One i did not that, know that my only experience yeah, with it mean, so far is like the mortar that you talked about that's what i did in the house that i had in guatemala and it worked really well in between the flagstones that we had there one thing that people do have an issue with, much more of an issue with, this hemp, hempcrete, hemp, hemp lime. Mm. Um, that that can cause much more issues with setting than than if you're using limecrete um, with sand. Uh, for some for some reason that there are, if you're in a cool, damp climate like the UK, you can have issues where the the, the whole thing doesn't set, for example. But that's also to do with, uh, I mean the it also depends on the lime you're using now because we didn't mention another kind of lime out there called NHL lime. And okay. in, in the UK, if you're, um, it's NHL lime is a different, it's basically a different, it's not as environmentally friendly. And there are some people who would say, well, it's no different from cement. It is, it's still going to be a lot better than Portland cement, but it's more cementitious. It's because what's happened is the, the limestone is less pure that they've used. And it's usually got bits of clay in, and they heat it at a higher temperature. And when that clay, is, obviously, then becomes a pozzolan, and so it becomes more cementitious. Um, and you can get it in different grades from two to five. I mean, they've got it down the road, NHL 5, I've seen it in the, in the store here. But that, that's going to be much, much harder 
that's going to end. To be honest, in most uh, flooring situations in the UK, they'd probably be using an NHL too. Hmm. That makes sense. That, so that's, that's the that's, type of yeah. climb that I've never come across. This is just one of those things that we never. And had I think access it's European before. because I don't think it's it's um I don't think we had it in Turkey either. I think there is a very European thing because I've got a lot of old buildings and there's a, there's a there's a demand for lime here which there isn't there wasn't any anywhere else I've seen. People love to restore these old buildings in the UK. It's very very popular pastime. So um so they needed to find something I suppose which. <laughs> could handle that climate and and a bit of wear and kind of a go-between between the two mm. between Portland cement and lime so um yeah that's another point so um let's talk a little bit more about the aesthetic finishes again i know we mentioned about uh different plasters and painting options one of the things that i've always struggled to get right is putting in color for lime have you figured out a good formula for this with uh, different pigments or are there different types of pigments that work better than others? Yeah, but, um, to be honest, dyes don't work very well. Uh, and the problem with lime is it bleaches, so it becomes mm -hmm. much, much lighter. Uh, and uh, it's quite tricky to get a, a deep, dark finish like you can with clay. That's, that's also one of the reasons I used clay on one of my walls and, and not lime. I wanted this very kind of deep, uh, dark brown look but um what what you need to do is just up your up your your level of um pigment much much more than you think and add much darker tones than you think you're going to need and and you can add black or brown into the mix as well to um to give it a bit more depth that's the the only way you can really do it and i find the best things to add are, are pigments um, so, for example, iron oxide or uh, red oxide, the oxides, or clay. I actually get on very well. Um, I've been mixing some, got some very nice results from mixing clays with lime here and using that. Are you using that as plasters or as paint? Paint. Okay, so yeah, I could see it as paint, but I've always struggled with the finishes of. Oh, a were mixture you talking about plaster? plaster? Sorry. No, 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 I was Sorry. talking about yeah, both. Yeah. In both cases, the the yeah, tinting or the pigmentation trickier. process but when it comes to it's plasters i've always struggled because it, it ends up powdering like crazy and that's just um, not the finish that you, you want one one really nice thing that uh, a friend down the road did was she put brick dust in and that that created a beautiful salmon color and that was quite um it wasn't a pale color at all it was a very vibrant kind of pinky red color which was beautiful so i think it's, it's got to be the powders um some kind of crushed <laughs> crushed pigment works best and you need a lot of color uh if it's going powdery yeah um that might you, you think that was the pigment not the lime no no it was the mixture of clay and lime together ah. in, in a plaster i mean i could see it working better as a paint because it's such a ah, this... thinner coat Ah, well, now I've heard people say this before and it's never, I've used clay with lime a lot now in a lot of different places and I never have this problem, but I've heard this a lot and it must depend on the clay. It's it got to, and I don't know it. what kind of crazy luck you're having where you keep finding clays that <laughs> I find with lime, yeah. but it's yeah. not the norm no. for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, um, I'm definitely not, I haven't had that problem here either, but as I said, 
the buildings were already clearly mortared with a mixture of, of clay and lime. It was, it was obviously these buildings here were already mortared like that and that's how they were doing it in turkey as well it's, it's yeah it's interesting mm. <laughs> must be the different kind of clay yeah it makes me think that there's got to be some kind of binders that you can add to that to prevent the powdering and i've done things like well, paste binders casing paste, paints yeah, things, yeah 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 but, yeah i'm i i mean i actually i did i did put a spot of wheat paste in um in the the paint i've just done yeah so um that would be a way yeah, and I, I just wouldn't recommend, especially wheat paste for exterior use. Uh, maybe something like nopal cactus, um, what do you call it, goo or mucus, the stuff that comes out of the cactus. Um, that stuff works, you know, I think, a little bit better for exteriors. Um, but wheat right. paste sends, tends to break down and sometimes can even attract uh, pests if you're not careful. That's No, it's quite true. It is, it is more... Um yeah it, well, it's a food so it's yeah. absolutely right yeah um you know what i was looking at i haven't tried this but the things you think about when you're a natural builder i, was, I just picked up a slug <laughs> hey have you seen slug mucus how difficult that is to get off your hands and i just thought that's a good point but i bet you could uh, mix this with <laughs> the places the places your mind goes when you're a natural builder but i bet you could mix this in with paint and it, with natural paint and it would be an excellent binder that's um, actually a good was, idea because i've i mean i've worked with yeah. so much nastier things than slug mucus. <laughs> have you ever have you ever fermented cow manure <laughs> Uh, well, but no, no, I haven't fermented it, but, but yeah, uh, <laughs> cow manure is quite gross. <laughs> I mean, cow manure is fine when it's fresh. I'm really not bothered. Like, I, it's it's got that kind of like musty but fresh barn scent to it. I'm not that bothered with like the fresh stuff, or if it's dried too. Like, I've used tons of dry horse manure, for example, in plasters. But when it comes to fermenting it, oh man, that's some horrid stuff. And then you. <laughs> And then you've got to sift it. So you're like pouring this fermented feces basically through this strainer and it's like coming out kind of mucusy. I'm sorry for anybody who dared to listen to this podcast while they were eating. That was a bad idea. That's on you really. But um, (laughs) no, I think compared to that, um, slug mucus, that's, that can't be nearly as bad. Just don't ferment it. Oh, we've got a lot of slugs, and they're everywhere. But oh, the, the you can't. The mucus is so sticky. It's it's it just re- it reminded me of when you said the cactus thing and um, mm. the mucus. But um, I don't know what what you could because we don't have too many cactuses around here, so I don't know what else you could use instead. No, you don't get a lot because of cactus in there. Because I can see ca- um, that wheat, both wheat paste and casein. Uh, I can see that they are could potentially have that issue. Um, yeah. I haven't personally had that issue, but I can see that they could. I mean, yeah. I've even heard egg whites and such. Um, oh, in, yeah. In sure. paints especially. That's, that's the one. But, but yeah. again, it's, a, it's an animal protein, isn't it? So isn't it going to attract something? <laughs> maybe. I think it has to do with like how fast it dries. Um, yeah, maybe. Because I've had, maybe. especially in the case of like working with manures and plaster, I've had some that have like this immediate uh, mold or fungal bloom. And I'm like, oh no, right. that's going to show yeah. up in the end. Probably like these dark black kind of fuzzy dots. And then when it dried completely, they were completely gone and never saw them again. 
So I think no. Well, that's the, that's yeah. absolutely the same with my clay pot. That's why I'm not worrying about my clay pasta either. It's it's what little white specks of um, mold, but they dry and you just brush it off and that's it. It's done. Yeah. yeah. Um, as soon as it's dried, it's dried, and once I light the stove in there, it will all dry out and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why personally, I'm not doesn't worry me too much. But um, if I can see that if you were in a very hot, humid climate, because this is cooler, humid, humid climate, so. If you're in a hot, humid climate, that might be an ongoing issue, I suppose. So, um, yeah. But yeah, but normally, if you're in the tropics, normally, I mean, there's so many other advantages to what you can do with the design of a home in the tropics. I mean, that's where I just came from. And in most sure. cases, you just leave the, the doors and the windows open for most of the day and yeah. make sure that there's good airflow and ventilation. And I know in a lot of traditional building they would put houses up on stilts to try and catch more of the air and make sure that the damp from the ground wouldn't go up into the home. There's a lot of really good and simple design techniques for like humid tropics and hot, humid areas to, to avoid mold besides just selecting for, for different materials. Yeah. 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 So, um, well on that note, look, Atulia, I know that you and I could talk about this all day, but to make this a reasonable length podcast um, and also to, to encourage people to take a look at how you're doing this because there's only a certain amount that they can learn from just hearing us speak about it. Um, I know you've got a new course specifically on all of these topics. Can you tell our listeners where they can find more information and how they can sign up? Yeah, if you go to www.themudhome.com, there's a, well, you'll see a stack of um, natural building information in there anyway. But for the course, if you look under where it says learn mud and look under courses, you'll see that course there. And you'll, there's a, what you might like to look at is there's a free um, preview video on that course showing uh, what I've done uh, with my kitchen using lime and all the various types types of applications that there are with lime, um, which is which you can have a look at. So get get yourself inspired to use this stuff because I really would like um, to see more lime being used. I think people do get put off for just because it's different. I think a lot of the time there's a lot of stick in the muddiness that <laughs> that goes on in the building world and we people like to stay in the comfort zone but really it's such a wonderful material and that's why I've set it at the moment for the next month it's on a special introductory price um, of just $45 so it's cheap and I'll be adding stuff to it as I go along which I always do with my courses I update them and as soon as you enroll you get all the updates that come up so Tadalact will be coming on that course at some point um for example and also something into hemp lime i'm going to be looking into so once you're enrolled you're in <laughs> you get into the lime world <laughs> Marvelous. and so yeah yeah have a look at that and, and i hope we can get some more people using lime <laughs> certainly and i mean definitely for people listening i really recommend this because i don't know of any other course available that goes in depth like this online specifically. There are tons about earthen building, um, different types of mud and uh, adobe, and um, basically the whole world no, of earth true. is very well covered, but lime seems to be lacking. And, and like you said, this is such it's a useful true. material. More people should be using it. There's so many benefits to it. And I'm really glad that you took the time to kind of go in depth on this topic because it has so many applications. 
and I really tried because I, I've uh, in our you know our little little group, a <laughs> little Facebook group, and and some people who I was connecting with. A lot of people have sort of said, um, even the things that the reason I put it together actually was because a lot of people were saying the me the um. The information that's out there is quite complicated a lot of the it time. It is, yeah. And yeah, it makes it confusing and people don't understand which time lime to use or where to get it or how to do it. It gets complicated. And so I've really tried to make it, and I do this with all my courses, to try and make it quite um, simple to follow so that it's you don't have that feeling that you've got to wade through a, a bunch of chemistry manuals just to understand what to do mm. um, it's step by step just which line to use what you need to use it for and how to do it and um, I actually think in to be very honest I think it's easier uh, to master than earth plaster I think earth plaster does take uh, longer to master in many many ways so um yeah, there can be a lot more variables, that's for sure, depending on what you have yeah, access be, to around yeah, where you are. Yeah. It's really yeah. hard to just buy earthen plasters. I mean, there's a few suppliers, at least that I know of in the States, but lime is a whole lot yeah, easier lot, to get in. It's a lot more standardized. Yeah, there's a lot more that I think that can go wrong with an earth blast. You can sure, <laughs> at least sure. like at least or maybe I just experienced them all. I don't know. No, no, I would agree with that. And I love <laughs> yeah, earthen yeah. plasters, but it's it's me not the too, easiest thing to too. get started with. No, no, yeah. me too. I love them, but um, there's, there's, it can take longer to master it. So, um, mm. yeah, there we go. Hope Marvelous. Hope people into Lime. Sure. For anybody who does end up signing up, I'm pretty sure you have an option there to also join in on the Facebook group, which I've been a member of for a little while, and I love seeing all of the different projects that people post there and all of the great advice. Because, I mean, while Atulia is a wealth of information and has tons of answers, she also taps into kind of a larger group of other natural builders who chime in on helping to problem solve things. And I, I've gotten a lot out of that group myself. So um, thanks well, for making that a resource. Lot, Oliver, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try and chime in when I have something to say. Yeah, I mean, the, it's a small, it's a, I kept it deliberately small because I wanted to be able to give quality information to people rather than have this kind of carpet bombing thing that goes on a lot of sure, time sure. in um, bigger groups where yeah. everybody's chiming in and nobody knows who knows what. Uh, sure. Whereas I know who knows what in that group. I know very well which, who's an expert and what. We're all experts in different things. So um, uh, I can tag somebody when I know that something that I might not be so sure on. I know there's somebody else in there that, that does know. So I love that group. Yeah. <laughs> That's also under the learn mud um, part of the www.themudhome.com. You can see how to join that there. Nice. Yeah. You've got a lot of good resources. Well, with that said, I'm really looking forward to catching up with you on those boards again soon and tapping you for more information, especially as I kind of navigate the systems here in Spain, which you know a lot more of than I do at this point. So uh, we'll yeah, definitely yeah. keep in touch. I really appreciate you taking the time today and uh, we'll do another one of these, I'm sure, when you come out with another awesome course. <laughs> I've always got something to say, as you There's know. There's always something. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. Take hey, care. My pleasure. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. As always, you can find all the show notes for this and all other episodes at AbundantEdge.com by clicking on the podcast tab in the navigation bar. On the website, you can also find a whole range of educational articles as well as the services we offer from design and consulting to education. 
While you're there, don't forget to take a look at the courses and workshops we offer, which are all designed to empower you to take back control of your life by giving you the skills to produce your own food, manage landscapes regeneratively, build your own homes and structures with natural materials, and most importantly, to dream ever bigger about the highest potential that you could achieve for yourself, your community, and the planet that we share. I'm very grateful to all of you who have added comments and send feedback to me. Your contributions help this to be the conversation and dialogue that it's meant to be. For anyone else interested, you can email me and the whole team directly at info at AbundantEdge.com. And all of your feedback makes these episodes and interviews so much more engaging and help me to give you the information and content that you want. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you again in next week's session.